Good morning. Good morning. You guys, there we go. You guys are awake. That's good stuff. So, guys, we're in the, the middle of our sermon series called Happily Ever After. But before I get too far into that, um, I, I got to, fellas, I, I got to clue you in on something real quick. We are two days away from Valentine's Day. You've been warned. It's two days away. You still have time. I know that everybody here has already ordered the flowers and made plans and has reservations, but, but just in the odd chance that some fellow here doesn't have it taken care of, you have been warned. You have two days. You have two days away. And so make sure you make some uh, reservations. Get, get something for your wife. And uh, you, you, know, you say, I, mean, I don't know if I can afford flowers. It's so expensive. Listen, you can't afford not to buy your wife flowers. You can't afford not to. I'm telling you, go, go, go to the mountainside and pick some flowers. Do something. I'm telling you, the, the, the money that you spend isn't what matters. Get, get her some flowers, write a card, make a card. My kids make cards all the time. Do something to show your appreciation and your love for your wife. But, you know, I was looking through the Valentine's card section, and I, I started finding all these crazy things uh, in, in the Valentine's Day uh, section. And so I thought I'd maybe share with you a few things that I saw. So if we can put the first one up on the screen. It, this one is really sweet. You know you're in love. When you can't fall asleep because reality is finally better than your dreams. Aww. Isn't that sweet? Let's see, let's see what the next one says here. Yeah. This is, this is straight from the heart. Somebody is like, I love you more than my iPhone. Woo. Man, that's some deep, long-lasting love. Although the iPhone comes out every year, so I don't know. Anyhow, the kid, kids sing, poppies are orange and grass is green. I like you because you're not mean. <laughs> I don't know if that's a great one to give to your spouse, but, but there's some people who are really pessimistic about Valentine's Day, and they're kind of jaded. So this one here is, uh, let's see here, roses are dead and violets are wilted. It's Valentine's Day, and I've been jilted. <laughs> and, and then there's like this, uh, you know, elitist, superior kind of mentality. And there we go, happy, unimaginative, consumeristic-oriented, an entirely arbitrary, manipulative, and shallow interpretation of Romance Day. Don't, don't, don't buy this card either. And then the last one here is, um, this is, you'll do. <laughs> you'll do. Bit too late to swap you now. So, uh, yeah, again, really, really bad choice in, uh, in cards out there. Woo. But you've been warned. I've even given you some direction what kind of card to buy or not to buy. You have no excuses. You have no excuses. I see some elbows somewhere. Just, you know, no elbows, no poking. <laughs> and so we are, this is week three on our series on, on, on uh, marriage. And so we were looking at uh, these different things. I'm going to do a little recap in case some of you missed it. Or maybe you forgot a piece or two of it because I want to make sure that you get this, right? And so in week one, we talked about this idea that, that you don't want to find the right person right? Oh, we got, if I can just find the right person. It's a myth, right? We, we kind of covered that in week one. It, it, the myth is this. If I can find the right person, then everything's going to be all right. If I can find the right person, then everything's going to be all right. And how do you know you found the right person? Oh, because I feel good inside. I feel warm and fuzzy and, and they make me happy. But the, the, the problem is this is when you have a day where you don't feel warm and fuzzy and happy, you start to think, oh man, did I, I must have married the wrong person. And so you start your hunt again, looking for the right person again. So the search for the right person is really kind of a myth because once you get married, I'm telling you, the right person, their name is written on the marriage certificate. So if you have a question of whether or not you married the right person, pull out the marriage certificate and look. If it's your name and their name, 
You're set. You've married the right person. It's, it's, it's pretty simple, really. You see, love is not on its own an emotion. There are emotions that come with love, but love of itself, is there's, there's, there's a, uh, a choice aspect of it. I choose to love my wife. Most days, it's very easy to choose to love my wife. In fact, almost every day, it's very... Maybe I should just say this. I've never had to make a tough choice in my life. How about that? But... <laughs> No, but let's get real. Like, there are days where I wake up, and and there are days where I have a bad day, or maybe Amber has a bad day, and and maybe there is a tougher choice on some days than others, but most of the time, it's a really easy choice to to choose to love my wife. But there are days where you have to choose it. You see, Hollywood love, the stuff you see in the movies and in books and on TV show, really that's like an infatuation or maybe a lust-type emotion that's coming along with it. But true love, true love has loyalty and commitment involved with it. True love has loyalty and commitment involved with it. So rather than trying to find the right person, we covered you need to be the right person. You need to be the right person, not try to find the right person. If you're trying to find somebody else to complete you, it's, it's, it's really, you're never going to find that because you need to be the right person. Two, two halves don't make, don't make a whole. You would think so, but to make a healthy marriage, you have to have two whole people to make a healthy marriage. We also talked about that Promises aren't a substitute for preparation. Promises aren't a substitute for preparation. When you go to the altar and you stand with your spouse and you say those words, I do, and you repeat vows and you say things, you don't magically get imparted character qualities that you didn't have before. And so you sit there and you promise all these things that you're going to do. I'm going to love and cherish through sickness and in health, through, through poverty and wealth. You know, like all the different things you, you said in, in your marriage vows, you make these promises, but, but what's your track record like? Have you been preparing your life to be able to walk out those things? Because it doesn't happen in a moment. It's not a magic drop in the water and all of a sudden, huh, I have amazing character. I'm now flawless. It doesn't happen that way. So you can't promise your way past preparation. Young people, listen, you can't promise your way past preparation. You can't. So if you're looking to be marrying somebody someday, if you're a single person here and you're looking to get married, you have to start preparing your heart now. Start preparing your character now. You see, the promise isn't any good if you can't keep it. If you can't keep the promise, why make the promise? People think they can promise their way past the lack of preparation. You see, when you say I do, it doesn't mean you're capable. It only means that you're accountable. So when you say, I do, it only means you're accountable for what you just promised. It doesn't mean you're capable of doing it. I could promise you right now that next week's sermon is going to be 100% in, I don't know, let's say French. Swahili? Yeah, right? I could promise you that. I promise next week's going to be 100% Swahili. But if I haven't prepared, if I don't know the language, it doesn't matter what I've promised. You're going to show up next week and be sorely disappointed because I'm not able to, to deliver on the promise that I made. Of course, maybe if I said that, maybe none of you would come because... Nobody speaks Swahili, but you'd invite your Swahili neighbors, right? And so maybe they would come. But when you're accountable to something that you're not capable of doing, you become miserable. You become miserable. And so if you commit to something you can't do, the commitment is worthless. So then, how do you know if you're able to commit on what you're promising? So the best indicator of your future is your past, which means this. Your track record of your past is practicing for what your future is going to be. You guys picking up what I'm putting down? 
Then a nod, yeah, some, some amen, some shout, something. Okay, all right, you guys are really quiet this morning. Yeah, that's okay, we'll get there. And so we have this, um, is this thing of your past then contributes to your future, which means what you're doing today will be your future's past. So what you're doing today in 10 years will be your past, right? So if you, can, if you want to be able to follow through on the commitment that you're going to make at the altar, if you're a single person, or maybe you're already married, maybe you need to set a new course in your marriage because their past has been plugging your future. Maybe you need to, maybe you need to reset a course. You need to start today with, hey, I'm now laying the groundwork of the, my, what my past will be in the future. And so the best indicator of your future is your past. I mean, if you imagine, if I wanted to go get a million-dollar loan from the bank, it's imagine, I'm, I'm going to go start another business. I need a million bucks from the bank. So I go rent a sweet Armani suit. I'll get myself a Rolex, and, and I get myself some nice fancy shoes, maybe some gator skin or something real fancy looking, right? And then I get like a, go rent a Lamborghini, and I go rolling up to the bank. And I, I get in there, and I pop open that sweet door. You know, it like hinges up kind of funny. You climb out, and you walk into the bank. I walk into the bank, and I say, I need to see the president of the bank. Do you have an appointment, sir? No. Don't you see my shoes? Don't you see my suit? Did you happen to catch my sweet ride in the parking lot? Uh, well, I, I don't think that really matters if you don't have an appointment, but let me go see if he's busy. President of the bank comes out. Well, come, come on in. I got a couple minutes. What do, what do you need? What do you need? You know, I, I need a million-dollar loan from you. I'm starting a new business. And, and what's he going to ask? The president of the bank, what's he going to ask? He, he's not going to ask what kind of shoes I'm wearing. He's not going to ask what kind of suit I have on, what kind of watch I'm wearing, what kind of cars in the parking lot. He's going to say, can you give me your full name, please? Click, 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 click. How about your social security number? Click, 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 click. He's not going to look at what I'm wearing today. He's going to look at what my credit history is in the past. He's going to say, can you provide documentation of your income to debt? Like, I got to look and see, can you actually commit, follow through on your commitment in the bank? Listen, sometimes we get into relationships with somebody that we wouldn't even lend 20 bucks to. Like, we value money more than, than the relationship, right? Someone could be completely morally bankrupt, but we justify it, and we defend it, and we fight for them, right? We think, oh, we can fix them, right? And, and, and I'm, gonna, I'm just telling you, your preparation matters. Your past matters. It, it kind of reminds me that, well, you commit now to becoming someone that you can com- keep commitments later. So that way, when you actually say, I do, you can do. And so your past matters. When you get in a fight with your spouse... And, and you've, you've, you've broken this rule over and over again. And husbands, maybe you've, maybe you've been where I've been at. And, and you say, no, I promise. I promise. This is the last time. I'm, I'm going to take the trash out consistently from now on. I promise. But the track record shows that I'm probably not going to take the trash out every time from now on. But I promise I'm never going to do it again, right? I'm always going to be in the straight and narrow from now on. But, but the problem is that my past affects my future. And so what I need to do is, is actually just start taking the trash out. You know what I mean? You can actually start making a decision today to make the changes in your marriage, make the changes in your relationships now so that you can set that track record. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. It takes work. It takes effort. Marriages take work and effort. Don't kid yourself. Right? They take work, but it's worth it, right? All married people, it's worth it? There we go. It's worth it. Single people, listen up. It is worth it. The work is worth it. You end up with an amazing relationship if you work hard and you do the right things on these relationships. You know, it kind of reminds me of, of, of an investment. This little girl, she, um, she had a piggy bank, and she was saving up money. And, and her dad said, listen, honey, when you get up to $100, we're going to go down to the bank, and we're going to open you a savings account. And when you put the money in the bank savings account, you earn interest on this money. And, and she, he explained interest to his, his daughter, and, 
And she's like, oh, okay. So I put money in there, and my money grows inside the bank with interest over time. And, and so eventually, you know, she's 9, 10 years old. She gets up to $100 in her piggy bank. Dad takes her down to the bank. They open up an account, a savings account. And she, she takes the money, and she puts it on the counter. The teller counts it out, deposits it in the bank, in the bank account. And, and then the, the dad's like, all right, honey, we can go now. And she's like, she just stands there, doesn't move. And he's like, well, we're going we're gonna to leave. We, we've already deposited the money. And the teller says, well, what can I, can I help you with? Like, is something else you need, honey? She's like, well, I'm just waiting for the interest. <laughs> Investing in your marriage is kind of like that. It takes time. It takes effort. You're not in it for the short haul. You're in it for the long haul. And when you look at marriage as a lifelong commitment, then you start making investments today, understanding that it may be a little while before you start to see the interest accruing on, on your efforts and what you've been doing in your relationship. You've you got to start working on it. Look at it the long game. Look at the long game when you're looking there. So invest in your character now so that you can use it later. So you commit now to becoming someone who can keep commitments later. That way, when you say I do, you actually can do. And so now we're, we're now going to look in Proverbs chapter 14. That was just kind of a recap of what we've talked about the last few weeks. So in Proverbs 14, it says this, The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of fools is deceiving. The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of fools is deceiving. So the wisdom of the prudent. Prudent is someone who makes plans today to be able to move forward into the future. They look at tomorrow and make plans today to make sure they have the resources and supplies and whatnot to move forward. So, so the wisdom of the person who is planning and working moving his way forward in life is to discern his way, which is the past, which is the actions that he's been making, the habits, the, 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 the things that have been happening in life. So he, what, what got him to this point? So the wisdom of the prudent, the person looking forward, is to look back and see how did I get to this point and, and what adjustments I need to make to move forward. We need to be able to look that way into our marriages and into our relationships. Look at your past. Honestly, look at your past. Look at your track record. And then look forward and say, where do I want to be in my marriage? Where do I want to be in this relationship? See, anybody can commit to anything, but you need to take an honest look at your past and their past. If single people, don't marry a project. I'm I'm serious. You can't look at your marriage or your potential spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend as a fixer-upper project. It's not a remodel project. It's not a house. It's not an old car that you're trying to fix up. Don't, don't marry a project. And I'm, I'm serious about that because marriage was not designed to fix problems. That that's not what it's there for. You, you can't fix what's going on inside of your heart. You can't fix what's going on inside of their heart. Only God can fix what's inside of their heart. And there's hurts and wounds from the past. You know, whatever their issue is, I've seen this over and over again. Single people that bring an issue or some baggage into the relationship... Guess what? It doesn't take too long. Sometimes as short as six months, maybe even a year, before the issue they brought in themselves all of a sudden becomes your fault. And the people are super creative that way too. Where they all of a sudden their, their baggage that they brought in that was from their past all of a sudden becomes their, their spouse's fault. And then they become almost responsible for it. They project their pain onto, onto their spouse. Which means this. See, you can't heal the wounds inside of their heart, only Jesus can heal those wounds. Because Jesus is the healer. He's the one that brings restoration. He's the one that's the fixer-upper. He's the one who can fix somebody's heart, someone fix, fix them the pain in their life. He can bring restoration. And, and he's the Prince of Peace, and he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it's only through him that people can actually receive true freedom and true healing. And when you try to be Jesus, I'm telling you, it doesn't work out right. So you can't out-Jesus Jesus. 
You can't out Jesus Jesus. So don't try to fix and, 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 and remodel and, and work on your, on your spouse. You can pray for them. But really, only Jesus can bring the healing that's necessary inside of their heart. So I have two big points I want to make today. Two big points. Point number one is this, is we're going to talk about contract versus covenant. And if we look in Matthew chapter 19, Matthew chapter 19, it says this. Says, and Pharisees came up to him, him being Jesus, and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Now, it's kind of cruel, but back in this day, women were treated like property. Like, like they, they were treated like, like the men owned them. Like they could basically buy them and sell them or ditch them or keep them. It was pretty cruel. I'm glad we don't live in those days. And so, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And he answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So two shall become one flesh. What God has joined together. If you can imagine two pieces of construction paper, you have a blue one and you have a pink one. If you were to put some super glue in between them and smash the two pieces together, it would be very difficult after some time to pull them apart. In order to pull those pieces of paper apart, it would rip, it would tear. You really would never get it completely separated. And if you did get it completely separated, it would never look like how it started. It would be ripped up and torn. That's why divorce is so painful. Because once you've been joined together by God, when you try to separate, it hurts so much. It hurts so deep to go through those, those splits in your life. Now, you don't lose your individuality either. That's the amazing thing. Because when you look at the, jo- the joining of marriage, one side is still blue, one side is still pink. It's not like you glue two pieces together and it's purple. You don't lose your identity when you, when you get married. You actually have two identities. The husband and the wife have their own identities, but they come together and they're stuck together for life. But you know, I've, I've heard this in the world, and maybe you've heard it too, and maybe you've even believed it. When people say, well, marriage, it's just a piece of paper, isn't it? It's just a piece of paper. It's just a contract. And it's all it is. I mean, we love each other, so do we really need a piece of paper? I don't know. So you eventually settle, and you go, like, oh, yeah, let's, let's get a piece of paper. Why not? It's, it's a contract. But, but you see, God's not saying it's a contract. God says it's a covenant. And here's the difference. You see, in a contract versus a covenant, a contract is based on mutual distrust. If I'm going to rent a house... I'm going to go to the landlord and say, let me get a rental agreement. Let me get a rental contract together. And here's what it outlines. It outlines, this is what I'm going to do for the landlord. This is what the landlord's going to do for me. And if, if he doesn't hold up his end, here's the list of punishments and disciplinary action that's going to happen. And if I don't hold up my end of the deal, here's the other punishments and disciplinary actions that happen. And if, if one of us doesn't perform to the other side's expectations and agreements, we, there's actually a clause in most contracts to allow a dissolution of that contract, um, and then it kind of lays out all this stuff. So a contract is built on the basis that I don't fully trust you, and you don't fully trust me. What a bad way to start a marriage if you view it as a contract. It's not a contract. It's a covenant. And so a covenant is based on mutual commitment. So in a contract, I'm in it as far as you're in it. I'll take the step in if you take the step in. 
if you don't do what you said you would do, then I'm going to seek some damages. And I will trust you as far as you perform. That's what a contract does. That's what a contract marriage does. So in marriage, as long as you make me happy, as long as you meet my needs, as long as nothing better comes along, I'm in. I'm in. That's what a marriage contract would say. But a marriage covenant is this. You see, it's a permanent relationship. You see, God makes covenants with his people. God makes relationships with his people. When you get into a covenant situation, it's for, forever. It's, it's not saying, I'm going to be in if you're in. It just says, I'm in. There's no clauses. There's no exceptions. There's no until something better comes along. There's no until you make me mad enough. Until, there's, no, there's no untils. There's no unlesses. There's no, there's no clauses that, that, that prevent you. From, it's, 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 I'm in. I'm in. Till death do us parts. I'm in till I die. And if both people are in till you die, you have an opportunity to build something great. If you're only in it until the other person stops performing the way that you want them to, it turns into a song and a dance, and trying to constantly perform for your spouse. And, and you're going to let them down because you're human. You will. You're setting yourself up for failure if you view it as a contract. It's really it's a covenant. You see, in a contract, you seek lawyers. And in a covenant, you seek God. So, sometimes people will want to get divorced because the other person isn't performing the way they want. They might even say that they are falling out of love. But see, getting divorced because you fell out of love is like selling your car because you ran out of gas. Getting divorced because you fell out of love is like selling your car because you ran out of gas. You see, there's a commitment involved. And there's some days, every married person, you can be honest here, maybe you just want to look straight ahead, right? No elbows? Is that why you're quiet? We're talking about marriage? All the spouses are like, oh, no. <laughs> but, um, but really, like, like, there's days where you maybe don't feel the love. You have to choose to love. There are days that you don't feel the feels. There's days that you just got to say, no, I'm loyal, and I'm committed, and I'm faithful. Hopefully, the days you have to choose it are a lot less than the days you feel it. But you got to understand that there are days that you choose it. There are days that you choose it. You will run out of love from time to time. You will. You will give and give, and sometimes you will run out of love. But here's the thing. Our God is love. He is peace. He is joy. He is hope. And although you as a finite human being, as us as finite humans will run out, we have a, a limited supply. God has a limitless supply, and he wants to give it to you freely. And so if you are looking to fill your tank from your spouse, you will end up in a contract relationship. But if you are looking to fill your tank from God above, you will have plenty to always give to your spouse. You will have a limitless supply pouring into you to be able to pour out unto, unto her or him. And the second thing I want to cover today is an idea of sowing and reaping. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, it says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from, from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. Guys, sometimes it can be wearisome of doing good. It says so. But don't, don't, don't grow weary, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Do not give up. 
So the law of sowing and reaping. All through the scripture you see where, where um, they talk about this law of sowing and reaping. What you sow, you will reap. And so in biblical times, it was an agricultural industry. I mean, everything was kind of based in an agricultural format. And so sowing was the planting of the seeds, and reaping was collecting the harvest off of those seeds that you planted. And so sowing and reaping may not be what, what we, that's not a common term today, but, but planting the seeds and harvesting the, the results is, is what they're talking about. So, you will reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. What you plant is what you're going to get back. What you plant is a harvest that you're going to receive. So, what you plant, you will harvest. So, in your marriage, think about this. In your marriage, if you are sowing grace, if you're sowing compassion, if you're sowing thoughtfulness and kindness, what are you going to reap? Some grace, some compassion, some thoughtfulness, and some, com- some kindness. So what happens if you're, if you're planting, I don't know, criticism and complaints? What, what if you're always annoyed? What if you're always frustrated and you're just kind of spewing that onto your spouse? You don't, what if you're always spewing negativity into the relationship? What are you going to harvest? You're going to harvest some of that back into your life again. You see, harvest depends on the seeds that you plant. So what are you planting today? What are you planting in your relationship? I'm actually going to close right now if the pianist would come. If you don't like what you're getting, look at what you're giving. If you don't like what you're getting, look at what you're giving. The second thing I want to say here is you reap where you sow. You reap where where you sow. It's common. It's a common trap. I would say that for men, it's a common trap to try to invest our time and energy into our hobbies. We have a hobby, and, and we get so invested in that thing. But if you invest in your hobby, you're not going to see results in your marriage. Men, we invest in our careers sometimes, right? We, we invest in our careers, and we, we put extra hours in and extra effort in, and it consumes our mental energy. And, and we are we're putting maybe, – maybe our careers are even thriving, but we're investing so much into our careers – But if you invest in your career, you're not going to reap a harvest in your marriage. You'll reap a harvest in your career. And here's one that, I think this is one that plagues almost every family. As we invest into our kids. Listen, investing in your hobby and your career and your kids are not bad. But if you don't invest in your marriage, it will fail. It will fail. Oftentimes, parents will become kid-centric sometimes. We'll invest in our kids' lives, and we want them to, to grow and achieve. And honestly, every parent, the desire of every parent's heart is that my ceiling would be their floor. I want them to have a better life than I had. I want them to, to have more successes than I had and less failures than I had. And so I, I pour into my kids and try to get them to grow up to be the, 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 the women and men of God that I want them to be. But if I've constantly, what happens eventually is that I'm not putting anything in the ground in my marriage. And so I want to receive my, I want my marriage to thrive and it almost feels like your marriage is working well because you're both busy and activity on the same project. It almost feels like it's going well and then one day all of a sudden it just isn't because the kids get old enough that they're not as dependent on you. And then all of a sudden you're looking at each other, a husband and wife, and you're looking at each other saying, do I even know you anymore? Where's the love go? This is the trap that almost every family faces. 
Listen, I come home from work. I interact with my kids for a few minutes, but then I go and interact with my wife. And my kids are coming, Daddy, come play, come play. I'm like, give me 10 minutes because I'm going to talk to Mommy for a little while. So I come in the front door and I invest time with my wife every day. My kids are fully aware that they are second place to my spouse. They're fully aware of that. Do your kids think that they have a higher priority than your spouse? Because if that's the case, or does your spouse feel like the kids have a higher priority than them? Are you investing in the right places? It's not just what you invest, it's where you invest. You can invest in good places and and neglect another great place. So make sure you're investing in the right places. You reap where you sow. Where you plant the seed is where you will get the fruit. Ultimately, Amber and I, our marriage will be as good as we decide it's going to be. And your marriage will be as good as you decide it's going to be. And you got to decide that together. Have a conversation. Talk about it. It takes both of you to do it. You have to decide what kind of marriage you're going to have. You know, sometimes the, in the sowing and the reaping, we don't realize that we, we, we harvest something in one category that we thought we planted in another category. Kind of reminds me of the story of this truck driver. and He was driving through Nebraska and he, he pulled over at a truck stop and he was getting, getting some dinner. and He has hamburger and his fries and his Coke and he's just minding his own business. And three like super rough bikers come walking in. Hells Angels type guys, you know, leather jackets and the, all the works. And they go walking over to this truck driver and start picking on him. One of them grabs his, his, his ham, the, the trucker's hamburger. takes a big bite out of it and he's like, ah, oh, that's good food you got here. And puts it back on the plate. The other guy grabs a fistful of fries, his greasy hands all over his food and his fries and eats it. And he's like, yeah, drops him on his plate. The other guy grabs his Coke and drinks it and, and then like just, you know, dumps it on his table. And the truck driver just calmly gets up, walks over to the cashier, pays the bill and walks out the door. Truck drivers are like, or the bikers are saying, Man, that's not much of a man. <laughs> he just drove off into the night. Cashier says, well, he's not much of a truck driver either because he ran over three motorcycles on the way out. Sometimes it feels like you're, you're doing the right things and you end up with a bad result. You got to look, where are you sowing? What are you doing? If you're not getting the results you, you're expecting in your life, if you're not getting the, the, the harvest that you want in your family, you got to start looking, where am I sowing? What am I sowing? How's it going? And you got to get yourself an honest look at it. And so I got some homework because you know how I roll. I've got homework this week for you. Number one is this. Make Valentine's Day special. You're looking for a place to invest in your marriage? Here it is. I'm, I'm serious. Go get some flowers. Get a card. And it's not just on the men, although the men, you're the leader of your household, so it kind of is on you. But women, you know, maybe write him a card too. Go find one of those silly funny ones, right? Go go on a nice date, have a good time, invest in each other's relationship. Number one, invest in Valentine's Day. It's right here, very practical. Number two is this. Are you planting what you want to harvest? This is an internal question. Are you planting what you want to harvest? And the second one is the third one is this. Are you planting where you want to harvest? And you need to get honest with yourself on this one. And maybe you need to get honest with your spouse on this as well. You need to ask, maybe you need to ask forgiveness for your sewing pattern. 
need to ask forgiveness for how you've been sowing, where you've been sowing, where you've been sowing, how, what. You might need to do that. And, and if you think to yourself, I'm not sure if I even see this problem. Ask your spouse, what do you say, what do you see in me? Like, am I, am I sowing the right things? Am I sowing into the right places? Do you feel neglected? Because I don't want you to feel neglected. But do you feel neglected? And this is your opportunity to say, yeah, sometimes. Man, you know, I really don't want that. How can we make this better? You know, if we maybe connected every day. Or maybe went on a date once a week. Went on a vacation once a year. Like, what are the things that you need to do to reconnect with your spouse? You've got to be able to invest in the right places. So let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm just going to close here. So Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the gift of marriage. God, I just thank you for the married couples in our church. God, I pray that you would just help them to build a strong, strong marriage that's full of love and kindness and grace and compassion. God, help us as a church, help us all to overcome the hurdles in our marriage, maybe even by our own doing. God, help us to overcome those things. God, I don't want to try to out Jesus, Jesus. So Jesus, will you come into our marriages? Will you come into my marriage and the marriages in this church and help heal us and help fix us and help restore us back to being a whole person again? And I pray for the single people that are here and help them to see that they need to be a whole person and help them to find another whole person to marry. So God, I just pray a blessing over this church as we go. God, let us go live like Jesus. Let us share his love in our marriages and in our families and our homes everywhere else that we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We have um, prayer teams that want to pray with you. They're going to be on either side of this aisle. There's going to be one over on this room, one over here, and one over here. And uh, whatever you need prayer for, it might be a sickness, it might be emotional or physical, or maybe you need someone to stand with you in prayer for your family and your marriage. They're here today and they want to pray with you. That's why they're here. And so please come get prayer if you need prayer. Otherwise, God bless you and I'll see you next week.